You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Welcome along to High Ground this Monday night. Jill's with you. Hope you will. Great to have you along wherever you tuned in. SEN 1170 in Sydney. SENQ693 in Brisbane, sixteen twenty on the Gold Coast and via the SEN app. Uh, back to normal transmission of sorts. So we're back on this 10 to midnight shift Monday nights and Wednesday nights. So that's Eastern Daylight Time. So 9 to 11 in Queensland until such time as Daylight Saving ends. Then on Thursday night, so it's a revamp from last year, I'll do an hour pre-game with our expert commentator just prior to kick off Thursday Night Football. I'll then broadcast on the app, continue to do so on the app while the game is on, pick it up post-game. Then on Friday, I'll be doing high ground to the app first couple of hours, and then I'll pick up 9 till midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Is, is that clear? Is everyone clear of that? So that's the lay of the land when it comes to high ground for the upcoming footy season. Feel free to have your say tonight on the program, one 11170 That is the open line number and the text line. 0457 736 736. Now, hopefully, I'll get your text because my little phone box doobie in front of me is having a trouble loading at this point in time. So hopefully we get a fix. I can read what you have to say throughout the course of the evening. On the show tonight, Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports back with the weekend wash-up. He's a staple of Monday high ground, as is Ian McCulloch with his UK report. Mark is on the buttons tonight here to annoy us as well. We've got a sponsor. We're here thanks to our great friends Motorola. You know, I had a Motorola many, many years ago and it's good to see them back in the market. Affordable to premium smartphones. Visit motorola.com.au Well, the dynasty continues, doesn't it? Oh, look, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I wanted to watch the cricket last night in the early hours of this morning and I was wrecked. So there I am sort of nodding off. Healy was on about 10. Nick and I woke up. Game's over. But well done to the Australians, won a sixth Women's T20 World Cup title after defeating South Africa by 19 runs. Had a sold-out crowd there at Newlands, gorgeous there at Cape Town with the mountains in the background. Table Mountain. Unbeaten half-century from player of the match, Beth Mooney. Uh, ensured the defending champions secure that much sought-after three-peat. So it was a 157-run target that was set for the host. They fell short. It was a really wonderful batting performance from Laura Wolfart in the opener, 61 of 48 during the chase. Meg Lanning, by the way. Meg becomes the first captain to win five ICC trophies. Five. Cementing her status as one of the sport's modern greats. I mean, she's one of those you'd pay to watch. Australia's greatest ever batter. They are a freakish cricket team. And that is their 13th world title in white ball cricket. Beth Mooney, we mentioned, player of the match. 74 not off 53. Funny thing is, I mean, she felt that they probably left a few out there. She's concerned that what they'd posted wasn't quite enough. South Africa, I thought, was gallant. You know, so much was made of this team. They lost early to Sri Lanka. And, you know, the calls are growing louder for the selectors' heads after they decided not to select Donovan Niekirk. But, you know, they've set their standards and made the final. They were energised. But ultimately, as all teams you've seen coming up against Australia, just like that little bit of polish during the key points of the match. And this is why Australia is so good. They weren't really tested when they were on the semis against India. They stepped up. Moments in the final, they stepped up. There is no stopping this team. 
And the thing about that, off the back of their success, we've seen an upsurge in registration numbers for five to 12 year old girls. That is what it's about. And this is in a time, I mean, they're bucking the trend of a lot of the more mainstream sports. This is in a time where sports are battling dwindling participation numbers. So women's cricket surging ahead. They are the best international side on the planet. Can you tell me who's better? Can you tell me an international side right now that is better than the Australian women's cricket team? Because I am struggling to think of one. Lachlan McCurdy, our friend from Code Sports, who we'll speak to in a moment. Um, you know, he lays it out through Code Sports, and I think you can catch it in the, the News Corp papers, exactly why they're so good. He's done a bit of a compare and contrast with some other great teams throughout history in various sports and codes, men's and women's, that have had periods of dominance. They don't stack up against this women's team. And we are very, very fortunate to witness this success, this greatness, more to the point. Did you catch any of it? What's your assessment of the women, 0457 736 736? Now, like I said, we've got the big calendar up in the studio and we just got the, the red Posca pen. You mark it off X by X each day. Countdown to the start of the NRL season. Only three more sleeps. Is that right? Three more sleeps? Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Thursday, in my neck of the woods, Combank Stadium. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? Have you made your bold and fearless, or some would say foolish predictions? I have. I'm going to be honest. I'm throwing darts. Now, the digital team, I was at the office earlier today, digital team at SEN, they like to get these presenters' predictions. You know, who's in the grand final? Who's wooden spooners and top try scorer and dallium? So I'll tell you what I went, and I told you I'm, I'm throwing darts. I've got a Roosters-Panthers grand final. I know a lot of people don't mind the bunnies. I think Penrith will be close but it might be the year that they just don't ice it. And I've been all over the Roosters. Cleary to win the Dallium is going to get it eventually. I feel like he's going to get his hands on the ball. more. He's going to step up more in the absence of Coruscant. I've got the Warriors to take the spoon, although I actually have no idea he's going to take the spoon. Dragons are shortening, but I'll never back my Dragons to win a spoon. Although the Warriors, you know, they'll be better under coach Andrew Webster. And they also have an increased number of home games. Biggest slide, I've gone the Raiders, although that's probably without any science. I've got them missing out of the eight, but they've got a pretty reasonable draw, I have to say, compared to other teams. And leading try scorer, I haven't gone AJ. There's something different. I'll go Ronaldo Militala, who was great last year, and I think the Cronulla are in for another big year. But shows what I know, although I'm pleased to say that my top eight was the same as Matty Johns' top eight. A slightly different order, mind you, but like I said, seven of the eight from last year, switch out camera for Manly. Now, that's a difference. Now, this is funny, isn't it? I heard Gordy Tallis blow up about this. And apparently, I didn't see it, but 360 have tried to done the... Uh, earlier on this evening on the Fox League channel, I've tried to sort of do the, I guess, salary breakdown of the Roosters and how they can accommodate their raft of superstars. Well, Spencer Lenu, you know he's going to leave the Panthers at the end of this season. And we know, obviously, back-to-back premiers are paying the price of their success. Michael Chamis reporting here. He's told the Panthers that he will join close friend Stephen Crichton in leaving the club with, wait for it, the Sydney Roosters recruitment spree expected to step into overdrive in the coming days to secure Spencer Lenius services from next season. So they've already got Dom Young from the Knights. Well, the Chookies are finalising a deal to get Lenny to the club in 2024. Bulldogs had shown a bit of interest, have pulled out of the race. People are saying, really? How can they afford him? Grand final winning forward. Now, obviously, the Panthers wanted to keep him. They wanted to keep Crichton and, and 
Kikau and others. He's a local junior as well. You know, the club's success, of course, has put a strain on their salary cap position. You keep winning, everyone's value goes up. You can't squeeze it into 10 mil. When he's on, he's, he's or in beast mode, as we like to say, he, Spencer Lenier, one of the most destructive forwards in the game, but he's off the bench at the moment, impact player, because he's behind Fisher-Harris and Leota. But they rate him highly. But the thing about it is, a huge chunk of their cap's already tied up with their starting front rowers. Geez, they, they can't land them, the Chookies. They can't land them. And you, the funny thing is, I mean, you watch the people crying. Pardon the pun. Watch them crying about this. Oh, the Roosters, how can they afford him? Yeah, maybe they just... Look, maybe they just manage themselves better than others. They're not my favourite team. But I do also think there's a, a hell of a lot of professional jealousy when it comes to the tricolours. So how do they do it? Well, they've managed to do it. They Maybe they just do it better than everybody else. And on top of that, I mean, given their sustained period of success, they are a destination club, sort of club where people would be willing to take unders. Where the battlers, you've got to pay overs for players. Now, the Dolphins have continued their raid on the Broncos. They've poached Tom Flegler. So there's one that they didn't land. Because remember, he said, oh, Flegler's on the market. The Roosters are not surprisingly interested. Well, they didn't get him. And it was always going to be at least a two-year build for the new club, the Redcliffe-based club. Some have them for the spoon. I don't have them for the spoon, but they're not going to figure in the finals. Handy first-grade team, a lot of experienced heads, but depth is the biggest problem. So then you look beyond 2023, 2024, they've got the services of Herbie Farnworth, and now they've got Tom Flegler. So a couple from the Broncos. He will arrive at the Dolphins next year alongside his mate Herbie. So... A nice couple of key recruits to buoy that Redcliffe side for the start of the season. Nico Hines, by the way, is set to miss Cronulla's season opener against South Sydney. It's a big blow. We mentioned this on the weekend, possibly two weeks. And, and word out of Cronulla camp is that if it was a semi-final in play, but you're not going to risk you know, potentially sidelining himself for a month or two in the opening couple of games of the season. Nice little piece in the Herald today about... Um, and how he had to deal with the emotions of his mother spending time in jail. He just seems like a ripper bloke, doesn't he, Nico Hines? One of the genuine nice guys in the game. Uh, just on a few injuries, he's not the only name under a cloud. Uh, John Bateman unlikely to turn out for the Tigers. We know that the visa issues had delayed his arrival down under. Reese Walsh also set to be ruled out by the Broncos. thing is, people go, what's this going to do to my Supercoach team? I've done Supercoach once, never again. I just do not have the time for it. It gives me a headache. And the Eels, as we know, face beat out with up to eight of their players from last year's grand final side due to either injury, suspension, or club exodus. And the Dolphins, word out of the Dolphins too, just back to them for the moment, that Isaiah Katoa is going to start at 5-8 ahead of Anthony Milford. Anyway, what are your thoughts on the upcoming league season? Who do you like? Who are the haves and have-nots? Who do you think will feature? Who do you think will be also ran? So let me know on the text line, 0457 736 736. Happy to take your calls as well. one 1170 uh, Plenty of football overnight. Celtic, well done. 2-1 victory over bitter rivals. Rangers in the Scottish League Cup is on track for the treble. Ange Postacoglid, haven't they embraced him there? He's a bit of a no-name. Us in Australia said it's going to be a wild ride. Watch out for this guy. And they've fallen in love with him. 
And then my mighty Manchester United, it was a big night of sport, wasn't it? Clinched their first major trophy for six years with a very impressive 2-0 win against Newcastle in the League Cup final at Wembley on Sunday. I tell you what, Ten Hag has got this side humming. 0457 736 736. Well, as I said, we're back on deck Monday nights. I don't know how much sleep he's had, but to try and wake him up, I've knocked up a new intro for the weekend wash-up. Let's do this. Everybody's working for the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend wash-up. Locke McCurdy from Code Sports. Good evening to you, my friend. Oh, you're right. A bit of lover boy can get me going. That's, that's yeah. enough to wake me up at 10 p.m. on a Monday. That's good. I like it too. <laughs> I'm impressed you know lover boy, but I thought a bit that's not quite of your vintage. No, no. I love my 70s, 80s. All my retro music. Get me that before any of the new stuff. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to call you WSFM now. That's your new nickname. <laughs> well uh, mate, we've got to start with the cricket world champions. I mean, what a freakish cricket side this is. Uh, and you've written extensively about this, and I touched upon this uh, Sports Central. I mentioned your article. Just for those that haven't heard, you did a little for Code Sports and also the, the News Corp Press, a bit of a, I guess, a compare and contrast as to how this Australian women's team, in terms of their run of success, compares with some of the other great teams of... Yesteryear, you mentioned the American Dream Team, the men's basketball team, the Brisbane Lions, and a handful of others. And I guess percentage-wise and in terms of trophies, uh, they stand out from the pack. I think so. And the thing when I was researching this and looking at all the numbers is the fact that they're so efficient when it comes to these big tournaments that you look at teams like the Dream Team, the All Blacks, uh, I think the US Women's Football Team was another one I mentioned, that they've all got amazing winning records. They've only lost maybe a handful of games across the last couple of years, but often those games have been in big World Cup moments and they haven't been able to go on to win the tournament. But it's kind of the opposite of what we've seen of this Aussie Women's Team, that when they get into this World Cup mode, they might lose... Uh, an opening game like they did in the 2020 World Cup here against India. But from that point on, they can turn things around and make sure that they don't make the same mistake and go on and, and go all the way in really comprehensive fashion. I mean, last night, I, I, obviously the India match was a bit closer than what we saw last night, but it was a pretty fantastic uh, result, I think, for South Africa to get that close and put plenty of pressure on. But it kind of showed the class of the Aussies. They just restricted them with the ball early on. Uh, South Africa couldn't get away, and then it was just too much to do in the back end of the innings. It was just a classy performance all around. Beth Mooney's a freak. You know, she She's big time, a big match player. You know, By her admission, she sort of pinches herself as to how she got there. I think the word she used in that documentary, a shit kicker from Harvey Bay, but <laughs> she's delivered again. She's in her late 20s. She's in her prime. I mean, she's got so many more quality years at the top, and this is a thing, you know, it, uh, when Perry eventually decides to retire or, or Lanning, you know, or Healy, those that are in their 30s. I mean, you've got Mooney there. I mean, Ash Gardner's only 25, and she's a far more well-rounded cricketer than she was even a year ago. Tali McGrath, number one ranked mm. T20 player in the, in the world, scarcely used this tournament. Darcy <laughs> Brown comes out of nowhere. Wow, the performance in the semis. I mean, the, uh, the WPL, I think, is going to bring India a lot closer, but as it stands, I mean, this is a side that looks set for another generation. Absolutely. And I think with the WPL, it's going to be so huge for the game, but it will take a couple of years for the the benefits of that to really kind of filter through. So at the moment, you've got this Aussie team who, obviously we had Rach Haynes retire during last year, but she was really the only one that was really close to retirement. The rest of them have got, at, the, at least you'd think two, three years for the likes of Elise Perry, Alyssa Healy, more for, for Lanning and Mooney that 
and shoot probably goes in that group as well and Jess Jonathan. So there's at least another, you'd say two, maybe three World Cups that this group alone can go to, which is kind of the scary thing. And the one person you touched on there who I was really impressed with this tournament was Darcy Brown. She kind of made the most of all her opportunities. Her She's the, the weapon in Australia's attack in terms of she's got the pace that Megan Shoot doesn't quite have. But I thought she really worked on her accuracy to tournament. We've seen her in other comps bowl quite a few wides and things like that, but she was on the money from the get-go, and her economy rate this tournament was brilliant. Her and Shadron Mismount were the two standout bowlers from the tournament, I thought, and, yeah, Darcy Brown just going to show that even just as a teenager, she can have a big say on a World Cup, and while she didn't get the wickets of a shoot or a gardener, boy, was she important. Absolutely. All right, mate, three sleeps for the start of the NRL season. Your Sharky's been in the news a bit. Lately, surrounding Nico Hines' injury, and he's been very open about, you know, the, the, I guess the family heartbreak in and around what had happened with his mother mm. and, you know, drug trafficking and the rest of it. Uh, word is it that he's not going to play? Is that your mail? Yeah, I think there's just going to be an air of being cautious around Nico, and you can understand that for round one. You may as well. There's no point rushing him out for a game that doesn't mean anything until 26 weeks' time. So, yeah, I think they'll be cautious on that injury. There's no need to, to push him to his limits yet. But just on the kind of stuff that you were talking about there about his role and in the community, what he was saying about his mum, I was down at Shark Park today chatting to some of his teammates about him and just what he's brought to the club. And they can't remember just a, a player coming to the Shire and, and fitting in so well in this Shark culture. He just, obviously, he looks like a, a surfer boy, is what a lot of them said, but he just is so much more than that and is such a a deep thinker, not only of rugby league, but of life, with, which I think is a, a really important attribute to have. For, and we're seeing across the last 12 months, particularly we've seen him speak up on a lot of matters. Obviously, mental health has been a big one. And now he's really trying to take that stance for the Indigenous community. We saw him saying he hopes that, obviously, with everything going on with his mum, he knows that there'll be others in the Indigenous community who might be in a similar state and he wants to be a role model for them and that they can have someone to look to and know how to act. So I, I think it's fantastic that we're seeing this guy who is a brilliant footballer, Dalian medal winner, Indigenous All-Stars. He was the, the best player on the field, but he's trying to show that he's a lot more than just footy, and I think he's proving that at the moment. And, and just one more thing on your Sharkies. Are they going to adopt this backs-against-the-wall mentality? They, they slam the state government over the fact that it's now the only Sydney club without a grant for redevelopment, Lockie. Are you outraged? Mm-hmm. Oh, I am outraged, but uh, being down there, I, I would say it's looking good, the development on the other side of the stadium, for those who haven't been down to uh, Woolaware lately. They've got a nice little hotel going up there. That and, looks, and that's all owned by the club so, too, isn't it? Mm, so it's going to be overlooking the uh, stadium, and so you can get a good room if you if you want a hotel room with a view. Uh, get one down there at Woolaware for a nice winter's night in uh, a Thursday or Friday night footy. I can't think of much better because you'll be inside, you'll be warm, but you'll be seeing some good footy. So I, I think things are looking up and it's definitely better that they're playing there and not Cogra because it just didn't feel like home for the Sharks, that's for sure. What about this news that uh, the Roosters have thrown their hat in the ring for Spencer Linio? Isn't it funny? So how can the Roosters... I don't know if there's a club, and there's a lot of hated clubs, that, that gets people more fired up when it comes to signings than the Sydney Roosters. Oh, absolutely. Big... But it's just because, as I'm sure we've spoken about many times before, lots of people have said, they're just good at it. They're good at their management. They're good at their salary cap management. They're good with Nick Politis attracting people to the club and not just selling uh, a big, enticing contract, but selling a, a vision of what they want that player to achieve at the club. And players go to the Roosters because they know that there's 
a level of success that can be expected or almost guaranteed that they're going to be there or thereabouts. So we've barely seen them out of the finals in the last decade or so. So, yeah, I think it's just incredible work that they've been able to turn over guys. Obviously, the likes of CCO Takiyaho has left. They lost Cordner and Friend at the same point, and they've then been able to turn them into smart recruits. And I think Lini would be another one because I thought he was brilliant for the Panthers um, last year, but particularly in that final series, that grand final against Parra, I thought he brought a real uh, aggressive edge. And, yeah, so... There's, there's a lot to like about the Spencer Lenny signing if that is the way he goes and he ends up at the Roosters. Look, we've all been asked to make our bold and fearless predictions. Uh, you know, basically, we'll just grasp at shadows sometimes, Lachlan. But I don't think I've asked you. Who have you got as your premiers this season? Uh, my, my, my heart wants to say my boys, the Sharks, but I, I, I always feel bad tipping them because it also plays into the underdog status. But I, I do like the Roosters, but I'm going to go South. I, I think that South kind of have had this long streak of prelim finals. They've been there or thereabouts, but this is the first year they've had a really stable preseason in a while. And I think that'll benefit them. They'll work on combinations. I think Damien Cook's going to have a great year. And, yeah, I think uh, it'll be good for South Sydney to finally uh, break their duck after five five years in a row where they've just fallen a couple of wins short. Bunnies. They've won enough comps, mate. They've won, what, 20, 21 now, <laughs> I think, South Sydney. They're well and truly ahead of, of the Dragons. And the Roosters. Yeah, I, I had the Roosters, I've got to say. Although, you'll be pleased to know that my top try score for the year, I tipped it to be Ronaldo Militalo. So there you go. Yeah, very nice. I, I can back that in. Yeah, well, he was pretty good last year. What is he? I think third on, on the list last year. Oh, I can't see AJ doing what he did again, but you know who who am I to know? Uh, who are the biggest sliders for you? Who do you think's going to take the biggest dip? I feel like Canberra. I just I, I'm not sure about a, a few of the positions they've got there. That I think even though he didn't play much last year, I think losing the kind of aura of Josh Hodgson is a, a bit of a big one. Um, I think they've got a very talented young forward pack. You've got look at the likes of Hudson Young there. He's someone who we know what we can expect from, but just there's a little bit of quality there that's probably just missing, um, depending how Fogarty and White and go in the halves. I think that'll be a big bearing for them. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they back up again after surprising a few teams last year. Obviously, that final mm. win over Melbourne was a big one. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. I sort of have them on the slide as well. Look, they're the beneficiaries of a, a pretty kind draw this season. And, of course, if they can get Fogarty from the start of the year, which they didn't have last year, and it kind of threw out all their, their pre-season planning and they came good late. But, yeah, I, I'm not that keen on the Raiders, I have to say. Uh, what about the biggest improvers? Biggest improvers? I, I think that the Broncos will go close to the top eight again. Um, whether they make it or not, I don't know. It's just about that consistency over that sort of... 26 rounds, oh, biggest improvers. I mean, there's a few options there. I think the Tigers will improve a lot. I think they're going to have to... They can really only go up from last year after winning the, the wooden spoon, that's for sure. But I think... I, I do like what they've uh, recruited around there. I do see them pushing teams a lot more with a solid board pack and being able to lay a bit of a foundation on the middle. And then there's a few guys that... On the edges are looking kind of exciting. You've got David Nofaluma, who's back after his stint at the Storm. He's apparently re-energised and ready to go. I think Brett Naden's going to be good for the run. So, yeah, I do see the Tigers improving. I don't think it's going to be enough to get the eight. That's certainly going to be... Uh, they'd need something special for that to happen. But I think they'll be in that sort of four or five teams just outside the eight. Yeah, I'm tipping improvement for that side as well. You know, their pack looks quite formidable. 
as he said, you know, into Naden the centres. Tommy Talao, I think, is going to have a really good year mm. on top of that. I, I like the Titans, um, albeit, you know, only saw them against the Dolphins. But I just think, you know, really savvy recruitment. You know, Verrill's at nine, proven winner. You know, Kieran Foran at six, experience, plays direct, proven winner. They just bolster. They're probably lacking that last year when they didn't have Fogarty. Mm. And Sexton didn't quite work out. Brimson back at fullback. You know, Fafita can re David that is recapture his best form. They got some crack young juniors. You know, JoJo Fafita, Aaron Shop. I think is just is asking for a regular start. I think this kid's a really good player. You know, this this Cam Pereira scored four in that trial. Mm, yeah. Think, you know, a pack potentially of Mo Fotowaka, Verrills, Tino, Fafita, Bowie Firma. You know, I mean, Aaron Clark. That's that's pretty formidable. And I like Justin Holbrook as a coach and. I do see improvement there. And all right, look, we hate to do it, but before we let you go, Lockie, your Spooners. Uh, spooners, it's always a tough one. I'll be you can say my Dragons, I won't be upset. Uh, I was, before the trials, I, I was leaning towards the, the Warriors. Um, I, I've kind of moved away from them. I saw enough to, to like what they've made some improvements on. I think where we will do a, a good job over there. I, I think just based on kind of recruitment and form so far, I would tip your boys, unfortunately. Uh, I just think that that, that first 50 minutes <laughs> yeah. against the, the Bunnies was really disappointing. Um, and obviously, it's very early in the season, still working on things. But if you can't get up for the, the charity shield, and the, you, you can get up for it, but to not even put in some of the big efforts that we kind of expect in a match that still holds a bit of prestige, that was disappointing. And I know talking to a lot of Dragons fans beyond yourself as well, they kind of feel that as well. There's a bit of a existential dread about what this season entails. I mean, yeah, it could be a long one, but who knows? Um, there might be some miracles worked down there. Oh, before I let you go, you're up watching the cricket. Did you sort of flick over and watch a bit of Celtic? Yeah, watched a bit of Ange. Um, that was good. I, I'm also a bit of a Chelsea fan, so things are going tough for me at the moment oh, as well. Yeah. So I had that on another screen as well. So... For me, I'm just watching Sam Kerr and the Chelsea women at the moment because she can't stop scoring for them. Yeah, she scored again, didn't she, overnight? Mm. Well, they're flying the flag. I mean, this London derby, 2-0, you went down to Spurs. And what I read that um, Erling Haaland scored more goals than Chelsea have this season. So, <laughs> no. Ridiculous. That gives you a sad perspective, I've got to say. Mate, thank you so much. Generous as always with your time. What's happening in Code Sports this week? Just building up for this big first season, uh, first week of the NRL season. Um, plenty of content coming out. A few stuff from the dogs, the eels, the sharks from me. Uh, a few sort of general season predictors as well. So, yeah, Man. plenty to, to keep an eye out on. And you'll be at Shark Park Saturday night? Uh, no, I am heading to the season opener at uh, Combank uh, this week. So I'm going to do the Eel Storm one. I'm working there. Oh, you're my part of the world. Beautiful. All right, mate. <laughs> enjoy. We'll catch all your great work in code sports. Thanks, Loggy. Sure, easy. Thanks, Jules. There you go. Get some rest. Lock McCurdy. You know, they say, "Was that Bon Jovi song? Live your live when you're alive, sleep when you're dead." So Lockin's up at all hours, tweeting about you know all the mainstream sports through to you know, the World Tiddlywinks Championships. He just loves it, lives it, and breathes it. We're happy that he contributes to this program, and we've dragged him out of bed late so he can go and get some rest. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. We're up and running Monday night right here on High Ground.